boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Thank you for listening to the second edition of the Total B She Show. My name is Mike Davidson. Producer Chris is here, and I'm going to talk to him in a second. But first, I wanted to thank you all for the tremendous feedback from our first episode. It was great. It was a lot of fun. We told funny stories. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the first episode of Heels. We're going to talk about things we got wrong in last week's podcast. Neither one of us wants to be known as liars, but we might have been mistaken on facts. And we're going to just shoot the sheets like we promised to do every episode. And Chris, you are the Monty to Harry Doyle of Major League. You are my co-host, and sometimes you're dead wrong. People say, oh. you, people say you laugh too much and you don't talk enough. So I don't know what that means, but hey, thank you for, thank you for being here. Thank you for the work you do. I think it's important I say that first. And I heard the same notes. I heard the same notes. You need to talk more. And, and I said, hey, listen. This is Mike Davidson's barbecue. It is. I am just I'm just a guest at the barbecue who happens to know how to work the grill. Do you know what my girlfriend said to me? What did she say? Why do I pause and listen to you when you talk and I don't pause and listen to her when she talks? Ooh. I'm in a little bit of trouble. Chris, how's it going today? It's going fantastic and it's great to be here once again. The Hamiota heartthrob. No, oh, no. You are on. the only person that acknowledges that I was born in the town of Hamiota. I love it. Because uh, I, I, I love the look on your face every single time. I'm, I'm a big city kid, man. You you are. Um, lots of exciting stuff. Like you mentioned, of course, we want to quickly plug that we are on several platforms now, including iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, and the Podbean app, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Alexa just confirmed an email with me today. Yeah. So that so means, everywhere that podcasts are important, you can hear us. Well, That's basically a, what you're saying. What's important about they'll be what, there. That they'll last be there. one is if you have the Amazon Echo Dot. You can say, play the Total B She's podcast, and it will voice activate. It will play it. How are they going to know how it's spelt? Well, you don't have to spell it. You say it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Moving forward. Who are you? I would <laughs> like it if people followed us on Twitter and Instagram, because that's where you find out a lot of the backstory that we talk about. Um, when we talk about the perpetually constipated Ernie Todd, I'll put a picture up so you can see, put a face to what I'm talking about. When I tell you about Wayne Stanton. WS. WS. <laughs> yes. Maybe not that WS. So I'm going to, the backstory might be a little bit too much for people to follow. I don't think it is, but you can get more information about what we're talking about on social media. So Instagram, Total Bees She's, uh, Facebook, Total Bees She's, and Twitter, Total Bees She's. And don't forget, you could always submit a question uh, oh. on those platforms. Send us a direct message. Mike Davidson handles those personally. You're not going to have to deal with me. You're going to be dealing with the no, horse No, we have himself. people that handle it and me. And it's you. not just me. There are people helping us with this. That's true. All right, Chris. Now, first and foremost, I'm going to correct a mistake you made last oh. week because you, you blatantly lied. He's pointing his finger at everything. You blatantly lied. I knew it. Remember you said Premier Championship Wrestling, they've been the best company or the, the longest serving company in all of Canada. And you were, you were, I tried to guess. I tried to guess. I tried. I knew they couldn't be. 
and they're not. They're not actually. Prairie Wrestling Alliance in Alberta has been a lo- has been around way longer, six months in fact. Oh my! <laughs> yeah. Now that that begs a question here, and I know Andrew and I know Kurt, the two promoters, who's done better over twenty one years? Wow. Right now, I know what Andrew will say. He'll say two things. He loves two facts. He loves Kenny Omega that he helped develop and produce, who's now one of the biggest stars in the world. And he'll say, oh, and we drew 1,700 people on our first show. They haven't done it since. That's right. I don't think Andrew wants to lay claim to that as his claim to fame because it was his first show in the business and he drew that that house. And I was there. I did a little bit yep. of it too, and so did all the wrestlers who were on the show. But Kurt Sorokin, he used to have Lance Storm as a booker. And he there was a time where he was getting the first the first dibs on all of Lance Storm's trainees, Tyler Breeze, right. uh, Tennille Dashwood, Emma, he he had them right away. So it would be interesting if if we ended up with a debate, preferably on Twitter, and I'll I'll moderate the debate on the Perfect. podcast. But I'd like to hear like what made PWA special t- that they've been around for so long, and I'd like to hear what makes PCW special. This isn't a Winnipeg centric podcast. Let me be very honest about it. Just because a lot of my personal stories happened in Winnipeg does not mean that that's all we talk about. I want to know what's working all. All over. If I've got I've got somebody in Minnesota who's going to be sending me a lot of in- insights about what's working there. I've got somebody in Illinois that's going to be sending me insights there and getting my feedback direct email and I'll bring it out on the podcast about what's working in Illinois, what's working in Minnesota, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. That's what I've promised. When we talk about wrestling e- economics at an indie level, it isn't just Winnipeg. What I say on this show, you can use in your local market. And if you just dismiss it and you say, oh, he only knows Winnipeg, you're doing a disservice to yourself, and that's up to you to do that. Hey, if you want to do that, great. But I'm going to offer you insight. I'm going to offer you wisdom. And if you choose to ignore it, meh, I'm still having fun doing this podcast. So, Chris, admit you lied. Apologize. I I will not admit it because, and and here's the thing. What? Here's the thing. PWA. I believe, and you can correct me, I might be wrong on this, I believe they've had some breaks in between. So is PCW. It's called the pandemic. They didn't run in two years. Yeah, but PCW, I said the longest continuously running wrestling promotion in Canada. Ah. I bet you PCW's run more shows because they started as a weekly venture. Well, we can't even, we can't go by that Well, I hope you're right. Then it would be CWE. But if we're just basing it on the amount of shows, then it probably would be CWE. Okay. I hope you're right about this. But I think it's the, I think PCW is the longest continuously running promotion in Canada. Okay. Well, I'm going to, we're staking on this. If we find out PWA never had a hiatus, you're going to be wrong two weeks in a row. You're, and I, people are going to think you hate PWA. I will be. Gl- I will be glad you, to be wrong. You sound like a big cheerleader for PCW I, and I, Andrew Shellcross. I, I don't know why that is. All I, right, okay. let's move on. Let's move on to your lie. My lie. Your I lie. didn't lie. I think you. I think you said. Stop. I think <laughs> stop you, now. Let me. Let me preface this. I think you said. I am an expert on everything, and I'm funny as. F- okay, that's true. So that's all I promise to be: an expert on everything and funny as. F- now, some people I find clowns funny. I'm not a clown. I know. Okay, I did not lie. Let's hear where you think I lied. Okay, 
Um, you might have said something along the lines of Mentolo taking ten dollar payoffs. No, I didn't. We corrected it. I corrected in the podcast. it. You're, the, <laughs> however, let's point fingers. However, we are getting a little bit of a little yeah, bit of a yeah. little bit of blowback. Yeah, there's and, been somebody who emailed me and told me like Mentolo is, hasn't worked for ten dollars even in his rookie year. I personally think he's worth ten times that, and I specified. What I said in episode one, if you go back and listen, wasn't that Mentolo wrestled for $10 a show. I said if a promoter charges $10 a show and Mentolo is on that show, then he's he's lowering his value. And any wrestler is. So what I was talking about in that episode, and we're going to move on, we're going to move past it without going too deep because I talk too much. But exclusivity is important because if you wrestle for every promoter, you're only worth the one, you're only worth to the market what the lowest promoter charges. And that's what I was saying. Thank you for allowing me to clarify. Yes. I did not lie. And I did not mean to say my good friend who I've known for 20 years, more than 20 years, Mentolo worked for $10. I don't, I don't think he ever worked for $10. I, I like that we were- 10 times that. We we're both digging in our heels, refusing to be wrong. I'm not wrong. Th- th- this is what it's all about. I'd like to talk about the TV show Heels now, if you didn't, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's get into Heels. Uh, what what a show. I mean, I really enjoy the show. Yes. A lot. Uh, I watched it right when it came out i you know kept up on it week to week and the the show has got a lot of good things a lot of bad things but i'm just gonna you know quickly go over a couple things i hear that paper yes i wrote you took that, notes i took some notes i rewatched uh, the first episode so today did i for this um the show is is very it's a very basic like concept but acted very well so it's two brothers ace and jack they're basically the main guys they're two wrestlers top baby face and top heel yeah and for dwl duffy wrestling league steven amell plays jack spade he's apparently a big star and he's he's bigger than bruce willis even that was the other thing you liked about last week i don't know about that but he was the green (laughs) arrow and that there's ace and jack and then there's the, the the father uh who was king yeah. Um, so they all have card names. So very, very cute. Oh, um, Ace Jack King. I didn't even notice that. No, you didn't Thank pick you. that up. Okay. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's a supporting cast: Wild Bill, uh, the Valet Crystal, Willie the Producer, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, because if you're going to do a TV show about wrestling, you can't just have two wrestlers on the on the show. Yeah, and and there's a bunch of other like wrestlers that they'll get B stories and stuff like that. We're not going to get into them just yet. We're, we will. We get might. In. We will. Yeah, we'll see. What we happens. ramble. We we do ramble. Um, it's all based out of the town of Duffy, small Georgia town. And basically, the father set up a promotion. He's got a he owns a venue, which is crazy. The and dome. The idea of indie wrestling yeah. owning their own. So the dome remi- reminds me of the Dallas Sportatorium. It's got the office, the company office yes, right there that right Jack above. Spade runs. He's the booker, and the top heel, and Ace is the top baby face. And the venue. If there was a venue like this in every city. Independent wrestling would be thriving. Massive. It is a beautiful venue. The DWL, Duffy Wrestling League, in the town of Duffy, which I believe is Georgia. Yes. I looked at this town and I thought, this town is built of wrestling believers. The same type of people who believe CNN News is real. Yeah. Probably believe wrestling is real. And that's what I saw in this town. This is a perfect recipe for independent wrestling. You have a whole bunch of people. It's like their hometown team. And Duffy Wrestling League is 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 the big deal. And they set it up uh, in a very hotbed area because uh, the way they've sort of spun it, in my opinion, um, they've got the town of Duffy and then they've got their, their, their competition, which is Florida Wrestling Dystopia. So Duffy's in Georgia. 
Florida, and but they're close. So, so the, they they've they've kind of made it seem like okay, this is these are two towns that are around the Florida Georgia line. Yes, and Florida wrestling dystopia was like Mark Money pushing it with good production yeah. values, and the the Duffy Wrestling League is a little bit more small time. Um, Old school. Yeah, where, where Jack, the booker for for um, Duffy Wrestling League, he thinks the fans care about stories. He's like big on stories. Yeah. Almost to the point where he might even be what in the business we call a mark for himself. Yeah. Like the scenes show him like typing the entire show out to the point of what's happening in matches and, and what is going to be said in a promo. That's not really how it goes. Listen, I'm very happy that there is a a dramatic series about the ins and outs of of wrestling. I love that. I think it's great. However, I want it to be a little bit more realistic. That's not really how a locker room is run. not at all. So, for instance, I've been a booker, and a lot of times it would be a notepad, like scratches on a notepad, and now with cell phone I would just type in text to myself of little things I want to see on the next show. But when I'm putting together a match, I don't, here's the script. I want you to do this move, this move, this move, this move, this move. That's ridiculous. I get together with the two guys and they start putting it together and I might be there to help carve it out a little bit and say, okay, this is good, right? And even on a bigger production like WFX was, I actually had guys that supervised like agents. That's why there were so many WWE guys. Like... So they knew how to put it together better, and they would make sure, okay, don't we, we're, we? another match is doing this spot, so don't do it. Nobody, and if somebody is doing this, if you're listening to this and you're an independent wrestling booker and you're typing out everything you want in a match and everything you want in a finish, you are doing a disservice not only to the wrestlers on the show, but a disservice to the fans. That's what Jack Spade is doing, and it's not really realistic, and it's part of why he's got so much drama in his locker room, because... A booker, he's 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 iron fisting the talent a little too much, and it's it's almost a dictatorship, and that's why he's getting pushback all the time. A- absolutely, I I couldn't agree more. It's it's not realistic, and if it if it did operate that way, I think independent wrestling would be probably dead. because uh, 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 the egos. You have to think about the egos. Do you think that a locker room full of guys like that are going to actually take that kind of? Hey, here's your script. Yes. Like, I don't think so. I really don't. Well, if they don't know better, and that's what that locker room seemed to be. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. They're, so the, they're not all, uh, they're not veterans or whatever. Yeah, the thing is, um, the show has a lot of rea- rea- realistic aspects to it. I'm not going to say it's not realistic. One thing I'll say this. Jack Spade's wife is piping hot. Yes. And if one of the boys brings a wife that's that hot around shows, one thing they didn't do in the first episode when they introduced her, all of the boys would go up and shake her hand and they, yeah. how was your day? They pony up to her. Now, part of the reason being is every any, every independent wrestler knows from their own personal relationships, nothing lasts forever. And they might think, oh, well, when she's single, she might, she, she might like wrestlers. Maybe right. I'll be next in line. Or... The other thing that they're thinking, the mindset of an independent wrestler or local wrestler, as I like to say, oh, too Winnipeg-centric there. The one, <laughs> the one thing I will say is she might have hot friends. That's right. Right? And, and, and independent wrestler logic, not only might she have hot friends, but she might have a not-so-hot friend who really likes wrestlers. So guys are always harvesting what might be the next source of good-looking women right? Or, or, or women that like wrestling. So they, nobody, not one wrestler, tries to pony up to the hot wife, and I thought that was a little bit unrealistic because I guarantee every if, if any wrestling show I've been around, a hot wife comes around, all the boys are asking how she's doing today. 
Okay, so we, we and she's played by Allison. Ooh, uh, Allison Luff, I believe. Yeah. Something like that. We're going to get the right name before the end of the show. So we will revisit uh, the Jack and Ace thing because that's sort of the blow off the show because they're the main characters. But we do want to talk about the valet, Crystal. Uh, oh, yeah. Another hot girl. <laughs> very, very much so. But I know uh, what the producers are doing. Yeah. Uh, the, it's fairly fairly unrealistic as well. I, some of it, I think. L- especially just the... What part is unrealistic? She has a fling with with Ace Spade, the top baby face. I've seen something like that that before. That's 100% realistic. It just seems... It's not 100% realistic. The way she's being um, treated by the producer, for example. The producer, Willie, really does not like her, clearly. Well... It it seems a little... But having a producer in an indie promotion is also kind of like... You don't see that very often as well, but... Mm. Okay, so you say it's unrealistic. I'm going to tell you how it could be, put it in the context of how it could be realistic. So it wouldn't be uncommon for an indie wrestling outfit to have a volunteer or somebody that's an assistant to a booker, right? Right. Somebody that's taking care of the equipment like microphones, like Willie does. Somebody who's passing on messages from the booker to somebody else. That's very common. Of course. And it wouldn't be uncommon for this Willie character who's a woman who's probably in her late 40s or early, around 50. And it wouldn't be uncommon for her to maybe be a bit of a bitch to, to the young, hot valet that Crystal is. Yeah. So I kind of don't think that's unrealistic. And I didn't think Crystal's character starts out that unrealistic. She really is eager to learn the business. Yeah. And, she, and you've seen that. Yeah, uh, yeah I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. And she really like takes a liking to Ace because I think she thinks Ace is going to go places. And as we see in the episode, there is a chance Ace is going to go places. It, so she's like taking, she's taking a shine to Ace, you know, they're, they're, they're intimate and then they show it and then they show it in graphic detail, which is, yes, they do. I love the, what the producers are doing here. They're trying to make, they know that this show is going to appeal a lot more to men than women. Although if you put hot women in it, women will relate to it and maybe watch it for that, for the romance aspect. But men watching it want to see great looking women. Yeah. My personal experience around independent wrestling is there isn't a, unfortunately, there's not enough hot women around the shows, right? It's too bad too, because the guys work harder when there's really hot women around. Y- yes, I absolutely. haven't seen a, I haven't seen enough of them around, and there are some, but there's not enough. There'll never be too many hot women around independent wrestling. That, that's very true. So let's fill in the blanks a little bit here about the relationship be- between Ace and Jack. Obviously, a strained relationship, younger brother, older brother. I mean, it's a story as old as time. We don't really need to. There's a r- sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry. Yeah. Um, uh, Ace is is a baby face. On the show, a good guy. As a wrestler, he's a baby but face. But in real life, he's a heel. He's a dick. And and it, the, the reverse is true. Gets caught shoplifting in the episode. The, the reverse is true for for, uh, for his brother, to a degree. Although, he's a bit of a tweener in real life. Yeah, real- I have a hard time. He, he basically ignores his hot wife. Yes. And he's very, very into himself. Jack Spade is very yes. into himself. Aces, Aces, that young. He's a. The story is that he was a high school quarterback who had a bright future in football. Takes he gets into wrestling and and they think he's a. They, they think he's a big deal as the top babyface, but he's so into himself and he believes the hype and he thinks. Like he he's all about the pop, and he gets caught cussing on on the live yeah. stick, and he gets in he gets in trouble from Jack about it, and he so badly wants to win the belt. And I'll tell you as a booker, if you are a wrestler who so badly wants to win the belt, you are asking to be ribbed by the booker. Trust me. You're kind of asking to never win the belt. Yeah, you should never campaign for a title belt, right? Your talent should, your talent 
will speak for itself if you're a good talent. But a lot of times a booker doesn't even look at talent when he's deciding who the champion's going to be. It's all about what, what program, what, what feud and angle that the booker thinks he can get on, get the most out of when he's deciding who's going to be the champion. So in that, in that story, I've had wrestlers who wanted to be the champion that bad. They should not talk to me. I once said to a wrestler as a booker, I said, if your idea is going to focus on yourself, don't bring it up to me because I don't want to hear it because I'm so tired of you coming and campaigning to me about how you want to be pushed differently. And that's what, that's what Ace is doing. He's really trying to push himself. He looked to me like an independent, like a typical independent wrestler. He's big and he's got a little bit of muscle and he's got blonde hair. It's a very common look for an independent baby face, but he's so unlikable. I don't like much about him, but it, but I do like the drama between him and Jack. Yes. Like I'm drawn to that story. Yeah, that, the, the story is fantastic. Um, and of course, it's leading up to them having a, a big match for the belt that, that he's been really campaigning for. The DWL Heavy, title. Heavyweight, the, heavyweight title, title I guess, yeah. yeah. They don't call it the world title, I they, don't They think. don't. Uh, I ho- I'm hoping for the next season, and this is just a little little aside here, but I'm hoping for the next season they, they work in maybe a tag team division or something like that. So I was a mark for tag teams. Uh, I promised I wasn't going to say so every sentence, but one thing I noticed in this episode was that Jack is trying to convince Ace that the Duffy Wrestling League is where he should stay yeah. and build the local office. And that's not realistic. I guess if you go back to the 80s when territory wrestling was hot, I'm sure Jerry Jarrett tried to convince Jeff, Jerry Lawler not to leave the territory. And he also tried to convince Jeff Jarrett not to leave the territory because I think they thought Memphis wrestling would run forever. I think that has happened in the past. I'm sure Vern Gagne tried to talk Kurt Henning out of going, sure. going to WWF as well. But realistically, in this day and age, if Ace has the talent to go the distance, Ace, Ace Spade, yeah. um, then Jack should encourage it a lot different. Jack Spade should be like, say, go, push, because then it makes it gives his company more credibility that someone started at, at Duffy and went to WWE. That's where they're teasing. Yeah, they say up they, north. Yeah, up north, which is a common insider term. It's almost like... PCW, we talk about Kenny Omega. Do you think Andrew Shellcross was sitting there saying, Kenny, stop worrying about Japan and don't go to AEW and definitely don't go to WWE. Stay with PCW. We can build this. It would never work that way. It never would work that way. Now, we want to establish to an important B character in the show is Wild Bill. The the grizzled old veteran. Who apparently works up north. Who who works up north, but he started in DWL. He's a greasy Douchey character. Super greasy, super douchey, but not unrealistic. I knew exactly who he's based on. Yes. Because there's only one guy in WWE that's at all anything comparable to this. Hit me. Michael P.S. Hayes. That's the only guy. When I was watching this, I was like, Vince would would not even talk to this person, let alone employ him. Unless it's Michael Hayes. Yeah. Which is interesting because like the dome is like the Dallas Sportatorium. Michael Hayes was a huge star huge. in the Dallas Sportatorium. Perhaps the writing of the show, they probably were a big fan of world class. I think I well, I think they're definitely borrowing from lots of different independents. Absolutely. From you know the from from, from the, the territory, territory days. days. Yeah. So you've got Wild Bill, he's filling filling Ace's head full of 
sugar plums and fairies about yeah, going up north and getting a big contract and leaving Duffy behind, leaving the backwater town behind. Yeah, he's trying to recruit him for a tryout to up north, which we're going to call WWE because that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's symbol. He calls it corporate wrestling at one point. So he's trying to say to Ace, hey, you're good enough and stop listening to your brother, filling already playing off of Ace's already inferior complex to his brother, inferiority complex. And I've probably dealt with stuff like that where where an old school guy has come around and he's filling the top the top young guy with with stupid ideas. And it's not good. At one point, he even offers him oxies. He tosses him off a, a whole bottle of oxies, and he says, "Here, keep him." And it's like, no, that's no. I don't care how big the wrestler is. I don't care if he's coming down from the WWE. There's no wrestler who's going to pass off a bottle of oxies. And he encourages and him say, like keep him. Yeah, and he basically encourages him to shoot on his brother. Yeah. in the match, it's like, what kind? I don't understand the shit disturbing aspect of what Wild Bill's trying to do, unless maybe he's trying to um, sabotage. DWL, you sort of get that idea, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But like, it adds a layer to the story now of Jack wanting Ace to stay, doesn't want him to take the tryout, and and ja- Ace thinking Jack's just trying to hold him back. And then you have Crystal, who's sleeping with Ace, who's like, "Are you going to take me with yeah, you?" Yeah, she wants to know. <laughs> and, and, and I loved it because I loved how the actor played that. I'm not sure of his name either. Uh, Ace. Ace. He just. He just. Totally no. His last name is like Ludwig, not Lud- Helwig. Yeah, it's something Ludwig, like that. Yeah, yeah. not he, Jim but, Helwig. But, but he, he just totally no sold. Should have been Jim Helwig. He totally no sold it, and it's like that's exactly. I could see it happening in real life, and that's exactly how it would go down. Are you going to take me with me, with you? No sell. Just well, complete. yeah, he's he's not into her. He's not into. He's not going to take her with. He, she's just uh, you know a, a space holder. So Crystal's character is almost true to life. Yes. There's been girls who've come around. And they, they they get a little bit starstruck, right, sometimes. And they want a bigger part of the show and they, they, they'll campaign to the booker because they don't they don't learn they don't know wrestling how to do, yeah. etiquette, right? And a lot of guys don't learn wrestling etiquette. Every booker has a different idea of a wrestling etiquette. How a, like I personally never liked when a guy would come up and campaign for a push, right? Some bookers love it because it basically gives them a chance to patronize a wrestler. So in this case with with Crystal, she's outright trying to get ahead, and I would, as a booker, would have nipped it in the bud right away. I would not, like I would have told her, hey, listen, here's your role. Jack, as a booker, could do more on one-on-one communication and, and uh, positive reinforcement. He kind of did nip it in the bud in the way, though, Jack. He, he kind of said, who are you? Like, yeah, but that's not the way to nip it. No, that's breaking the person's spirit. Yeah, no, that's not the way to do it, but he, he kind of did. So a good booker would actually sit down with talent and build them up and get them on board with his ideas. He doesn't do this no. at all in the episode. In fact, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing with the script. Well, listen, until an hour before showtime, no one cares what the script is. Because it'll change. I, I remember as a booker, I used to have guys call me two weeks before show. What am I doing? I don't know yet. What? Why well, you say I'm wrestling this guy? Yeah. Well, what's the fin? I have no idea what the finish is yet. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Please bear with me. And it wasn't a creative process for me. A lot of it was instinct and intuition. And sometimes I had somebody working with me on the on booking the show. And a lot of times I wanted to lean on them to decide where we're not only what we're doing in this match, but where we're going to go from this match. That's a process. Uh, Jack makes it too much about this one show, this one main event, this one script. 
and it's unrealistic. You're thinking more 10 steps ahead from here. So we're going into the, into this big blow-off match between between Jack and Ace, and the understanding is that they're going to do a 30-minute match. That's what that's what Ace thinks going in. That's what they agreed upon. They've things. laid it out. They've laid it on. Uh, beforehand, you see a, uh, Jack deleted off his computer, which is symbolic of, oh, I'm going to do my own thing, basically. Going into business for himself, and, and he's the booker for crying what, out loud. That's exactly what he did, but I like how they foreshadowed it with Ace beforehand. Like, they had Wild Bill kind of putting that in, in his ear. Go into business for yourself. You know, basically, I want to see what you can do out there. You know, we used to, me and your dad, we used to throw a couple bombs just to make a guy know that we were there. That type of which thing. Is not untrue. No, it's 100% Some true. Guy, it's called laying it in, and, yeah. you, and you see it, and, and and that's not uncommon. And I guess that's their way of telling the story but to I the like people. how they, they foreshadowed it with, with yeah. that, and then they they sort of did the bait and they switched. They, they had they had Jack go into business for himself, and so with the, with the main match, and I'll let you lay out the main match here, actually, because yeah. you, you, uh, you have a better handle on it. So it all climaxes the episode in the main event the episode's called kayfabe we should have touched on that at the start sorry uh, i'm not a professional <laughs> podcaster yet i'm not I, we don't have sponsors yet so i can make mistakes anyway so the episode is called kayfabe and 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 all episode they're really building the idea of what kayfabe is and so it comes to the main event it's going to be jack spade versus ace spade for the title they've argued about the finish they've argued about how to book the match better and true to form, the viewer of the episode has no idea what they're going to do because they've had one idea, they've they hinted one thing, and then the match happens. And um, right away, Jack grabs Ace and gives him a suplex on his head, probably, yeah. and then immediately grabs him in a shoot hold, and, and the ref's pleading with him to let up on him, you're hurting him, and he said, you're going to have to ring the bell. And he does. He rings the bell. It's like a 10-second match. It's a complete screw job. Yeah. Ace had no idea it was coming. And it's... Would it be realistic to do that? Yes. Not, I, th I think yes, but... Don't be, say Montreal. No. I think yes, but I think it would be stupid to do it. Would the booker We're do not, that to your top babyface who's your brother? Maybe if he's that involved, self-involved. Like the Jack character is? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a hypothetical, about a character that's not even real. I like to think that they would never come to that, right? You would like to think that. So, okay, so to reiterate, there was a screw job. The booker, who's the top heel, grabbed the top baby face, gave him a German suplex or whatever it yeah. was, and immediately put him in a shoot hold and basically tap, made the ref call the match, wins the match, gets punched out by the baby face, ace i don't think a booker would be stupid enough to do that in front of a crowd no and the fans turn on on ace they turn on the baby face and they start pelting him with popcorn and sodas and i didn't think i didn't think that was true to form i can't it could be true to form i don't think that would happen i really i think they feel i think people would be silent so why like you, they were why you wouldn't want to do that on a show is your fans aren't going to understand it and they're going to crap on it why and why are they going to come back well, they're going to come back because they're confused. They're going to want to see how you're getting out of it. I guess maybe, but... But so that's where the producers kind of lose me a little bit. That's their cliffhanger from the first episode. This was the pilot, a lot of character development, which yeah. I'm, always, I'm always forgiving to anything wrong in a pilot because like Yellowstone, you know how many people told me they didn't watch Yellowstone after the first episode because it was all character introduction. I felt that way about Breaking Bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every every show you ever get into, you got to put three or four episodes into it. Overall, 
Here's what I think. I don't think you would have to be foolish and irresponsible in, in addition to being unprofessional to do what Jack Spade did. I don't think you would do it. I, no, I don't think you would, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. That's all I'm saying. Like if we got a message tomorrow, hey, this happened in okay, Red Deer. So, oh yeah, well, not Red Deer, Kentucky. Kentucky. Or Florida. Or if, f- if you're an independent wrestling fan and you've seen, yeah. and you've, or a guy in the business, and you've seen it, I want a detailed version of the story to talk about it because I don't believe it's common. No, right? no it's not common. Bookers sure. do not go into business and sabotage their own show. That being said, overall, episode one, kayfabe of Heels on Stars. I'm going to give it eight and a half out of, out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. I like it. Yeah, because it's a lot. You, you're right. You have to be forgiving for uh, an, uh, an initial episode because yep. you're you're setting up so many things. And there were so many supporting characters as well. We, we didn't touch on them. We don't have to yet. We don't have to yet because yep. they, they don't have any story. My synopsis of why I give it eight and a half out of ten is it's the first dramatic series about wrestling in a long time. It's probably the closest thing since The Wrestler. You know, the movie, The yeah. Wrestler with uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, yeah. Um, I don't like some things about every character. There's some, yeah. There are things I like about every character, except I'm not sure about Ace Spade yet. But if you like everything about every character, then it's not a good show. No, you got to provoke me with yeah. hate. I, I, I was the one who said last week that you build around heels because you got to have hate in order to have baby faces. One of the things I don't like about current day wrestling is there's not any angles built on hatred. I hate, yeah, I don't right? like that either. So... I give it eight and a half. I like Crystal. I like Ace's wife or Jack's wife. Uh, God, we got to remember her name. Yes. I'm, I'm going to, she's going to be the most downloaded girl on the internet for me this week. And I liked Jack. I like the layers of Jack's real life being brought into it. Overall, I thought as a booker, he would do himself a favor to hire a seasoned booker because I think he's a terrible booker. And I thought, Wild Bill, Michael Hayes, mm, I liked it. I, I like it. I, I want to see episode two really bad after seeing episode one. And for the most part, I thought it was fairly realistic and I to- I poked holes. But if I, if I was just a fan, I would never poke holes in it. I would no. think that's the way independent wrestling was. Okay, so how about this for our rating system? Not mm-hmm. stars, turnbuckles. Okay, so Ain't is that- it out of three turnbuckles t- or 12? Ten. We'll, we'll just do it out of ten, just like the can't ten do stars. ten turnbuckles. Why not? There's not ten turnbuckles in a the ring. There's well, either three in a corner or twelve in a ring. Oh God. Okay. So let's do it out of twelve then. Oh. You're, you're 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 getting overly complicated. It was just a fun little thing that you've poo pooed. Well, you should have told me about this before, so I could have given it some thought. So I could have told you it's got to be twelve turnbuckles. I'm going to give it. Oh, 10, 10 out of 12. 10 out of 12. See, it, I still think it should just be 10 out of 10. Just it, it's, No, it's not no, a real thing. It was 8.5 out of 10, and now it's 10 out of 12 turnbuckles. Okay, so we're going to talk about this rating system. We're going to talk about it because you, you, you said first 8 out of 10 stars. Yeah. So what are the stars representing? Why are there only 10 stars? There's a million stars. It was 80% good. Okay. Yes. Okay. But because if you, I'm so sorry, people listening to this thinking I'm anal retentive. You are. But if we're going to talk turnbuckles, there's three in a corner or 12 in a ring. There, I can't give you 10 or the ring, the ring is going to fall apart. Okay. So what about the TNA six sided ring? Oh no. Boom. So 18 turnbuckles. Mind blown. 15 out of, 14.5 out of 18 turnbuckles. Okay, enough about that. Let's, it's 12 let's, turnbuckles. Let's abandon it for now. 10, 10 out of 12 turnbuckles. 10 out of 12 turnbuckles. Okay, so we, we've, t- we've touched on heels. One thing that uh, I wanted to talk about, and I think you kind of picked up on it too, hair loss in pro wrestling. 
Now, this is a transition point, but it, what made me think about it for that me was Eels, a hard transition well, point. But here's, here's the transition. What made me think about it was Wild Bill. Yeah, there's no he hair. T- when he took off his cowboy hat, it was it was very, by the way, very Michael Hayes reminiscence, like just holding on for dear life to the world class sc- mullet to, to, to the scraps of a once great hair uh, society. People are going to think this is like the lead into a Keeps commercial. Keeps is not sponsoring us. No, but neither we, is Finasteride and neither is Rogaine, unfortunately. But, but we're working on yeah, it. Yeah, one day we're going to have a sponsor in the show, and I'm going to make them sound like a million dollars. It isn't today. Um, Here's what I know about hair loss. Well, we already gave him a free shot for keeps, so... Yeah, let's talk about hair loss in general. As a man in my 40s, I'm deathly afraid of losing my hair. Yes. Right? It sounds like a spot. It's not. This is a... I'm talking... This is Mike Davidson. I sound like Lex Luger, who talks in third person. <laughs> this is... I'm talking as Mike Davidson, an expert on everything, and funny as f- Here's the thing. That's what they say. When a guy is losing his hair, it's the worst. Because he thinks he's never going to get any attention from a girl again. Yeah. Even if he's married, he's, oh, my, maybe my wife's going to leave, leave me just like my hair's leaving me. It's even worse in wrestling. And I'll tell you why. Please let me go the whole distance on this. Wrestler, independent wrestlers or wrestlers on a big scale, they, they think of themselves as in show business. Because they technically are. And they think of themselves as celebrities. And technically, to a small degree, they are. I know of independent wrestlers who think they're just as over as Brad Pitt, but just nobody knows them yet, right? That's how they think. So when you see the hairs going, it's panic time, right? And there's things they do, like some of them comb their hair differently. I did that for years. When I was started to lose my hair, I combed everything to the middle and just covered where it was, where it was going thin. I then started the drug, finasteride. I, I'll admit that. I'm on finasteride, and it worked. Propecia. It worked for me, yeah. It worked for me. Everyone says, oh, there's a side, sexual side effects. That didn't happen to me. And I'm not trying to sell finasteride. I went to a doctor. I told him I didn't want, want to lose my hair. He said, well, there's bigger things to worry about, and he put me on finasteride. For a wrestler losing their hair, it's the absolute worst. Think Arn Anderson. Yeah. There's famous stories of Stan Lane wearing a wig. It isn't common for a wrestler to put a wig on their head and be able to wrestle. They're going to they're going to take a clothesline, take a bump or a big backdrop and the, and the hair is going to go flying and they're done. Like yeah. they're never going to get away from it. And it's not like so my best friend Sean Brown, who I said I will never refer to by first name, when I I I I'm going to confess something here. Is I it was, about him because I no, feel like you're going to tell a story that maybe Sean Brown should tell. Listen to the confession. Okay, here we go. Uh, there was a point where I'd lost enough hair and I was going to, I thought about, even my stylist was cutting my hair once and she said, have you ever given consideration to getting a hair piece? And I was like, no, <laughs> I will not do that. But I went and told my best friend, Sean Brown, hey, I'm, like I'm, I was told to think about a hair piece and he warned me. He said, if you wear a hair piece, Every time you wear that around me, I don't care if it's stapled to your head. I don't care if it's glued to your head. I'm going to rip it off, right? And so it's not like you, okay, I'm going to be around Sean today. I won't wear my piece, yeah. right? Once you, it's a lifelong commitment the minute you put a toupee on. You're not putting it on one day and taking it off the next. Well, they, they affix it now so, so like real. Like it's affixed to your scalp, like pulling it off would be incredibly painful. <laughs> he was going to do it, I, man. Be, I believe him. Everybody listening right now is experiencing hair, hair loss. Listen closely. Here's what happened to me. So I read up on, on finasteride a lot. And my I had a friend who was on it who told me to get on it. 
And I read up and it said, you know, in 70 or 90% of cases, you'll stop losing your hair. You'll grow it back. Yeah. And in 25% of cases, you'll experience moderate hair growth or hair regrowth. 8%, I think it was. 8% hair regrowth. I, that's what happened to me. Yeah. My hair came back. And thankfully it did. Yeah. So for a re- now, this is about wrestlers losing their hair. It can be, it's torment. Wrestlers work on their physique. They work on their, they wear professional looking gear and they can't do anything about hair loss. So here's my advice to you. Everyone will start bicking it. If you're, if you're losing your hair and you're going to start shaving your head, go to the, go to the booker and say, listen, I'm obviously losing my hair. Can we work this into an angle? Yeah. Haircut match. Yeah. Like Kurt Angle did. Right. I've always, speaking of a rib, I've always wanted to do this. Send out a match, get together with the guys. Oh, by the way, you're uh, wrestler A, you're going to put over wrestler B. Okay, no problem. What are you going to do? I, let's hit a sleeper hold. You want me to lose to a sleeper? Yeah, I want you to lose to a sleeper. Okay. Now as a rib, imagine this. The guy gets out there. He's agreed to lose to a sleeper. And then all of a sudden the ring announcer surprises him with the following contest is hair versus yes. hair match. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I think the guy would leave the ring. Probably. And I think unprofessionally he'd say, I'm out of here. Yeah. Just he, the fans around. would know immediately who was supposed to lose that match, yeah, right? He'd, he'd just walk away. I, that's what I always wanted to do as a rib. Surprise. Surprise. There you go. Okay, so I've got a couple more notes here to talk about. One of the you things, made notes? I made notes. I'm a nerd. Uh, when it comes to Is this, this a format? Stuff. This is a format. I, the whole thing about bees, she's, is there should be no format. It should be so random that the listener is going crazy, going, why don't they follow some format? Did you hear my transition to the hair thing? Yeah, it was out of nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. So don't I thought worry maybe about you, people <laughs> knowing there's a format. I was they wor- wouldn't have known until you said it. I was it. worried when you brought up hair loss because I made the comment about it. I was worried that you're looking at my hair today and thinking, hey, he's losing his hair over no, there. No, I'm not looking at all. And by the way, I'm losing my hair as well. So yeah. Whatever. Get on Rogaine foam. I, I, that's what I have. Yeah. And by the way, use a derma roller too. Is it is it flammable? I have never tried to set, I can't say I've ever been so bored as to try and set my hair care products on fire. No, but I'm worried that, you know, you're putting something flammable in your hair and the amount so of- So it's hairspray. You, you put hairspray in your hair when you're okay, a kid. Okay, okay. So yeah. you don't have to worry about the careless smoker in the locker room yeah, but flicking but, his cigarette and lighting your hair on fire? By the way, use a derma roller. I don't know if you've ever used that. Yeah, you, it basically like blading your forehead Pro- with a little pin mi- Micro needles. And it allows it allows the, the this topical agent to get into your scalp. Okay, so it, why don't you just blade your forehead and then pour the stuff right in the the gig mark? Well, I'm not I'm not trying to grow hair on my forehead. All right, all, all right. right. Well, all right. most people are that are trying to get their hair back. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, so with the pandemic, lots and lots of troubles with independent wrestling. Very very hard to absolutely to continue to exist even like yeah. i mean there's a lot of there was localized that sh- mandates that wouldn't let people have crowds and there were there so was did it kill did it almost kill independent wrestling oh that's a good question thank you for because i feel like in a lot of ways it almost did yeah so i said i wasn't going to use so as the start of every sentence the pandemic had a huge damaging effect on all business, so I don't want to make it all about independent wrestling. But I am going to specifically talk about the effects of the pandemic on independent wrestling. You weren't allowed to have fans. You weren't allowed. So if you were like in your 30s as a wrestler and you didn't wrestle for two years, it might be like a retirement sentence, almost like a punishment, because your body needs to wrestle in order to stay Condition yeah, to it. You, the bump callus. Yeah, exactly. So taking two years off, you might not be able to get back into ring shape. So from that aspect for 
wrestlers that were over 30 or 35, it would be it would be tough. I thought the same thing would happen with, with pro football. CFL didn't play. And I was worried that their teams would players would age out really fast. And that didn't happen. And it doesn't seem to have happened with independent wrestling. I think there were promoters that kind of tried to push, push, like get creative to have shows. And they were basically running in their training center and, and sending it out as a webcast. I wouldn't have done that because it looked low budget. Well, it did. It, it, did. it, it really did. And it's, I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to keep themselves sharp, but they could, they could have those workouts and just not put it out there to the people. Yeah. I don't think fans were sitting there going, if I don't see local wrestling on, on the internet today, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to forget about it. I don't think fans thought that way. I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. And if you'd taken two years off and came back, it would have been a, it would have worked for you. So it's tough to be in that situation though. Like I, I understand why they did. I it. think they were trying to create revenue where there was no revenue to create. Yes. I think that's exactly what it was, but there, I think, uh, what do your point to your point? I think they were trying to stay sharp. They were trying to, and try to keep that bump callus up yeah. while still so, feeling like they're working in front of people because so that's important. What I talk about a lot is economics of independent wrestling from my experience of starting from the localist of local and going to a point where we had TV that we were exporting our television to markets in the United States. So I have a different perspective. Everything, I believe this. I believe as a promoter, everything you feed to the public has got to look top notch. It's got to look the best you can. And during the pandemic, I think what they were feeding out to the people was a very, very watered down version of what they are. You need fans to make a wrestling show. You need the interaction between, you need the response from the fans on a move in order to make it work. And that was gone. It seemed desperate to me. And I don't, I'm not critical of the people who did it. I want to say that. And I want to piss somebody off. We have, I, we've already pissed. I know I got the feedback and I, I should just have a list of apologies. That'll be the last 30 minutes of the show. Me individually apologizing to people who sent me a message. But what I want, I, I think what I want people to know is now is a chance to put your best foot forward, right? I think what I'm seeing now is promoters are like thinking there's going to be this insatiable demand for wrestling and they're trying to hit the market while it's hot because they think all these people were were shut in and now they're all going to go to the local independent wrestling show. But they're not. It's not going to happen. The, the independent fans will go to the independent show at the same frequency they were before because they also now can go to movie theaters that they couldn't go for two years. They're also now going to go to the pro sports that they couldn't go for a year or two. Every Restaurants in a lot of places they couldn't go to. So there's so much competition. So don't get it in your mind that the pandemic almost killed us and now we have a chance to strike while the iron's hot. That's very unrealistic. It would be a big mistake. That brings up an interesting question I have. Did it lower the bar than putting out that pro that product on the internet? Did it all of a sudden lower the bar and maybe maybe sour people on what independent wrestling actually is? I think independent promoters are unfortunately prone to making mistakes of lowering their own bar on normal business circumstances. Last week I talked about don't put eight people on a poster. Then I saw a poster with 12 wrestlers on it. Yeah. What did we say last week? When you put a poster out, you're selling the picture. Don't put too much out there. Big mistake that promoters make. They think, oh, there's this much space on a poster. You got to fill every last centimeter. No, or inch, right? I got to think about my American yes. friends. Here's what I think about lowering the bar from promoters. They make a ton, they do it. 
when they make a TV show, and I'm going to talk about this at length at some point, and they and they say, oh, we have TV on YouTube, and it's they have two cameras and they shoot it from the ground level up. It's a very awkward angle. If you're going to make a TV show, look at what WWE does because they set the standard. Then AEW follows WWE's standard in terms of how they present. They might add new in- innovative technology and impact and NWA. They all follow the same format. Yes. So don't put your camera on a tripod at ground level and shoot up. You shoot at an angle downward into wrestling. Something that Ken Playtink taught me when he was putting together WFX. No one's going to know who Ken Playtink is. Send me an email and complain about it. Um, independent promoters are notorious for making their own mistakes. Everything they should do, they should want it. In their mind, It should they should be able to justify it somehow major league. I say this as I contradict myself with this podcast that is anything but major league. It's just us bees sheezing around. That's what it's called. Yes. Independent promoters need to always think, okay, you're going to get, you're going to end up in this position. Some of your wrestlers aren't going to look like, look like the TV wrestlers. Okay. That's true. Some of your wrestlers aren't going to wrestle like TV wrestlers. Okay. That's true. That's the reality of doing business at an independent level. You don't have the budget to hire the best talent, but you can make sure your poster always looks major league. Don't do homemade posters. How about that? And speaking of posters, by the way, to interrupt you, you mentioned last week on the show that a guy like Vance Nevada, for example, should not be on a poster. I received an email from Vance Nevada on, or not email, direct message from Vance Nevada on Facebook. Was he selling you a book? Yes, he was. Everyone got that same. I, <laughs> I know. So I wanted to, I wanted to give him a shout out for, yes, his, please. for his book. Yeah, because, shout it out. Um, check check out Vance Nevada on all social media platforms, and you just have to search Vance Nevada. He'll have all the details about this this book that he's uh, that he's selling now. Um, he, he tells me in that, that email that everybody got that, uh, the, the, the last book did well. So he, Oh, hold he, it. He wants to, he wants to prove them wrong again is what the line. And I like Vance Nevada a lot. So I'm going to, you like him a lot more than I do. I do. That's why I'm, I'm thank you I'm for shouting out. Uh, Let me say this. Uncontrolled chaos is the name of the book and, uh, Canadian, uh, Canada's remarkable professional wrestling legacy. Uh, so it's another sort of legacy type book. And uh, keep it, keep an eye out for it. So that's, that's his thing. second book. His first book suffered in the in the um, accuracy department. Let's say, I'm not gonna sh- I'm not gonna crap on him. No, of I'm course not, not. That's gonna be its own episode. We're gonna invite Vance Nevada to come on our podcast at some point. I I implore him as my cousin, him his his mom and my mom are sisters, to come on here and let's talk. But I'm gonna wait till I read his book because if he if he if it's another slag job on me like the last one, which was proven to be inaccurate, and I told him all the ways it was inaccurate, then I'm really gonna then I'm really gonna be criti- critical of this book. And that, that's fine. But that's, I encourage you all to buy it. That's what I'm setting it. up here, anyways. That's what but, I want. Yeah, buy it, read it. We're actually probably gonna have an Amazon link so we can get a kickback on the sales. Yes, we are. Um, but listen, the guy goes to a lot of effort to do these books. And I appreciate the effort he puts forth. Buy the book, read the book. And then if he writes one word that's not true about me, I'm going to tell you what's not true about me. And I don't care about all the other stuff that's untrue. But if he can be untrue about me, then every other page on the book might be untrue too. That's all I'm saying. Buy the book, read the book, and then I'll tell you what's untrue. Sorry, Vance, I tried. (laughs) All right, so let's let's move on. We're still on promoters here. We are. On I'm promoters, not done talking I economics. Know, I know you're not. Uh, that's what I wanted to talk about. How we could you sort of push forward with what we were talking about last week about how can the promoters do better? Good call. You're talking about promoters. Good call. How can they do better? 
Okay, so here's what I last week I said that they had to get their ticket price in line with comp, competitive entertainment sources. <sighs> Got some pushback on that one too because there's promoters that believe they're getting twenty five dollars a ticket. If you can get it, do it. I understand something different. I want to clarify. If you are charging $25 a ticket and it's because you're running venues that have 200 people and you think that the demand and supply justifies $25 a ticket, I get it. If you can get it, get it. I think if you're marketing to the masses and creating new fans, which should be your goal, you got to go to bigger buildings and you got to mass market to to families. You got to get you got to get a new generation of fan base on board. I talk about marketing to moms. I think it's an easy thing to do. I think what you need to do, best step forward on your marketing, this guerrilla marketing that independent promoters do is so admirable. When I go to a WWE event at, the, at, a, at a building and I see four independent wrestlers at each entrance handing out flyers, that's great. Yes. I, that's great work ethic. At the same time, I would argue you might be better to go work a job, take the wage you would get from working that job and invest it in better marketing than the guerrilla marketing. Flyers and posters are only going to work so much. It costs money to print the, yeah. print the poster, print the flyer, and then you're giving it out. You might not be giving it out to your target audience. I'd be interested to see what kind of return there is. What promoters need to do better is come up with a marketing plan. Right? How, well, we're going to do Facebook ads. Every business in the world is doing Facebook ads. It's not a marketing plan. Market, market, market. That's how you're going to grow your business. And best step forward on everything. If you're going to release a video, make sure it looks like it's professionally done. Because if it looks homemade, you're going to look bush league. Don't do it. Make sure your poster makes the sniff test. Your graphic designer, who's a very important hire in your company, has to have professional-looking photo- photography to work with. Let him get creative and decide how he's going to sell your show as opposed to you telling him, put this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy on the poster. Then make sure your ring looks like a million dollars. Even if you're not going to invest a million dollars in it, make sure the ropes look good, make sure the canvas is clean, have banners on the side of the ring. The first thing a fan sees when they enter your venue is what the ring looks like. Make sure it looks good. Here's something else. If you can get the smell of popcorn in your venue, yes. do it because it makes people it, that people associate that with entertainment. When they go to a movie theater, when you go to a concert, the smell of popcorn is everywhere. So buy a popcorn machine, even if you're not allowed to sell popcorn, and just pop popcorn somewhere where the whole where the smell will f- fill the building, because that immediately sets the atmosphere too. Have your music sound a certain way. Not everybody can afford Hollywood lights to make your show look better, so. If you're using house lights, try to make it look, remember when somebody walks in, make them think they're at an event, make them think it's a production, make them, make them wow them every which way you can. You got to take steps forward. This idea that wrestling fans are wrestling fans and they'll like wrestling because it's wrestling. It's not the case. You, I told you last week, 150 fans, 50 come every show. 100 come every second show and 150 come all th- uh, every third show. You have to you have to generate new fans, new fan dedication and it's all in the per- the effort you make. Don't cut corners. Don't be bush league. Use talent that's trained and looks professional. Use 
pictures that are professional, use graphics that are professional, sound everything. And if you can't afford to do it, you're in the wrong business. Stop treating your business like a hobby. And one thing that I would just lean on, and this sort of was brought up to me this week when I saw a tweet from uh, Cody Diener, he talked about the importance of having a, a good referee on the show. And how he, he basically went, went into detail and said, you know, there's three guys in the ring. There's three workers in the ring. There's the two combatants and there's the referee. And that referee can make or break a match. So thank your local referee, you know, because he's the hardest working guy on the show. Sorry to call back to last week. Remember I talked about the, the Rikishi situation where it didn't go right. And my, I didn't communicate to my referees properly. Even if I did communicate to my referees, and I don't remember if I did, it, would, it didn't come off right. I've been blessed. I worked with a guy named Scotty Bowman, named after the NHL yes. coach. That's not even, I don't think that's even his real name, but he was called Scotty Bowman as a ref. He was the best ref I ever worked with. And I used to be a ref. And I, I prided myself on being able to, the big thing about a ref is he adds emotion to the match. He's a very critical part. What Diener said is a, a very good point. Too many times a promoter just throws anybody into the referee role and doesn't prepare them or condition them or Give them smart, a shirt. smarten them up. If you're going to referee on a show, you have to have professional gear. You have to, you have to look authoritative. There's so many, nobody remembers what great refs are because there's a lot of not so good refs. I remember back in the day, it was Earl Hebner and Tommy Young were the two best referees in, on the planet. Brian Hebner is good. Yeah. Mike Kyoto was amazing. Nobody talks about, there's not that ref. That Tim they, White, he'd be up there. Ah, no. No, I think, I thought he was good. Joey Morella was better. You want to have a debate about it? No, no, no. Because I'm, I'm ready. I'm not that big of a Tim White, Mark. Okay. Well, Tim White was Tim White was there for a reason. All the refs were there for a he reason. He was serviceable. WWF and WWE used to have all good refs. Jack Doan and uh, Jimmy Cordero, they all were good Jimmy refs. Jimmy Cordero was great, yeah. And guess what? They had a lot more to do than ref a match. They were, they were signal calling based on time, based on commercial breaks, based on... You know, there's stories of them changing finishes or, or stuff on the fly. Refereeing is very important. I I think in a lot of ways the referee should be the second smartest person in the behind the booker. The referee needs to keep things on track. The referee needs to communicate to the talent. The referee needs he can't ass off. He can't he can't joke around. One thing I was guilty of when I was a ref, he he's got to bring it. He he brings a very important role. It's a very true statement. Independent promoters, write this down. Make sure your referees are qualified. Make sure your referees are qualified. It seems like it seems so stupid. It seems so simple, but it's not being done in a lot of ways. I'm seeing, you know, I'll see pictures and, uh, you know, even locally, you see pictures of, of referees and they're wearing a, a T-shirt, you know, some Mark T-shirt, you know, Scott Steiner T-shirt and blue I jeans. Think and that's, I think that's a thing in the past. I, I hope so because yeah. I always hated it. And, yeah. uh, and you can go pick up a ref shirt even if you are like super poor. You can go to Value Village or, or Thrifties in the States yeah. and pick up a, a, I've, a couple I've, bucks. I've watched the refs or the I, something that jumps out to me when it's an unprofessional dressed ref. And it's, I, in the last five years, I haven't seen it much. Okay, so we got a lot of blowback from the first episode. Yes, um, which you can tell I'm very petty about and no, I keep talking about none of it. it. None of it got on me, thankfully. That's what I was worried about for the most part. Um, most of it was, you know, I think... Are you joking? I think most of it was both cannons, you know, pointed at Mike Davis. You are joking, I know this. I, I, no, I'm not joking at all. This is true. This okay. 100% true. I get all the feedback too. Yeah. Here's what I got. Most people gave us 8 out of 10. 
on effort, right? It's our first podcast. I did not think. So they gave us 10 out of 12 turnbuckles? Yes. I did not think that we were going to be perfect the first time. I heard we're too Winnipeg-centric. Well, guess what? I'm still going to talk about Winnipeg, and I'll tell you why I'm going to talk about Winnipeg. When I was growing up and I was a wrestling fan and I bought the wrestling magazine, I always got a kick. It, it flipped my crank to find out what was happening in Calgary, what was happening in, in Florida. I remember reading the results section of the PWI. Oh, yeah, I was a mark. I admit it. I, and I would read that the Italian Stallion beat George South on PWF in North Carolina. And I wondered to myself, how did that show draw, right? So I love hearing... So one of the things that inspired me in this podcast is if you were riding in a car with me and we're talking wrestling, I would tell you stories that I personally experienced or that I know to be true. And that's what we're doing here. That's what Total B She's is all about. The feedback wasn't negative like you say. You're crazy. Most of the feedback was great stories. Don't be don't just talk about Winnipeg and and make your advice more pertinent to anyone anywhere. And that's what we're doing. If you're an independent promoter in Texas, in Georgia, in California, in Oregon, I can name every place on the planet. My advice works. Take a look at what I'm saying don't do and if you're doing it stop. Take a look at what I'm suggesting you do. And if you're not doing it, try it. And it will work for you. And by the way, if you disagree, you can easily DM us. You yes. can easily DM us on Instagram, yes. Total B She's. Uh, on Twitter, Total B She's. Yeah. We'll have a Facebook presence as well. We're eventually going to have a... Are, are we going to make the email public as well? Yeah. Okay, to- Total B She's at gmail.com. You can do it that way as well. Just do it on social media. Though. Don't, that's don't also send, our PayPal. Don't, that's all. And if I make you laugh once, send me a dollar. If I make you laugh five times, send me five dollars. If you piss, if, if he pisses you off, send him a hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm not going to piss you off. And if I give you advice that works, send me money. I'm teasing, of course, but that's our PayPal in case somebody sends us money or buys something. I have nothing to sell you. But that's my PayPal in case you want to send some money. Okay, so people come here for the stories. Yeah, well, okay. So, so let's let's get into it. No, story. I want to keep going. I want to, oh, okay. I'm going to keep preaching here. Oh, here we go. So Wayne Stanton, people said, oh, well, why do you talk about Wayne Stanton? Because Wayne Stanton not only gave me my, he was my first promoter, so it's kind of a pat on the back to him. He's also an incredibly interesting character. So if you don't know who he is, you go to the social media that I told you about at the start, and I'll put up a picture of Wayne Stanton. And I'll tell you more and more Wayne Stanton stories. I don't know who George Goulas is, but when I heard about Daddy Said Sell when Jim Cornette told that yeah. story, I laughed hard and I looked into who George Goulas was. I might not know every story I ever hear, but when it's interesting and colorful, I look into it. So Ernie Todd, perpetually constipated. If you, if you thought, well, nobody knows who Ernie Todd is, guess what? I know nobody knows who Ernie Todd is, but if you did, did you, if you do your digging, you know, he was the NWA president in 2005 around the same time TNA no longer wanted to do business with NWA. Maybe there's a coincidence. I don't know. He's going to sue me for that. (laughs) Won't be the first time. So when I'm telling you funny stories, I'm telling you funny stories that I saw, right? I'm not just, I don't think Winnipeg's the best wrestling in the world, but it is pretty darn good. If you have a funny story from Calgary or Denver or Minnesota or anywhere in the world, I want you to email it to me. I would love to read it out and laugh and critique the story and explain how this could happen or how unprofessional or how professional it was and how it went wrong, what kind of train wreck it was. It's not just about Winnipeg wrestling. 
However, when I talk about my experiences, a lot of them happened in Winnipeg. Although I will point out that when I told you about Andy Anderson and, and Max Devlin, that happened in Regina. So, hey, Regina fans, you should be listening too. You have to talk about your, your experience. Like you can't talk about your experience in Calgary because you didn't have one. Oh, I've, I've wrestled in Alberta. Good, good for you. But I mean, as a, as a booker, I mean, you can't talk. I've about... worked with enough Alberta talent that you're going to hear me talk about Alberta in ways that's pertinent. Yeah, but not the same way you can talk about Winnipeg. That's the point. Yeah, Winnipeg, fair enough. That, that, fair enough. Yeah. So it's a work in progress. It's going to get better. I'm going to become polished. Let me tell you something. The first WFX show wasn't as good as the fifth WFX show. What's WFX wrestling fan experience? Oh, we had TV. It was a pretty big deal. We had the best talent roster amassable for less than a million dollars. Okay. So that's what WFX is. If you follow along, if I ask, if if you hear something on a show and it doesn't make sense, send me an email, follow us on social media and we will make it make sense or listen next week and I'll add to it. I love it. Wayne Stanton's in the house. I'm going to try to get Wayne on the show. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I think you're a coward. I never told why that's a famous line. I love that line. He's called everyone a coward. Wayne Stanton. Remember that name. You're going to hear it on this podcast. The point where you're going to want a Wayne Stanton t-shirt by the time I'm done. Okay, so before we... You want funny stories? I I do want a funny story. Before we wrap wrap up, I also want to give a quick shout out to uh, Rob Stardom and the Rob Stardom (laughs) vlog on YouTube because he was kind enough to... uh, He didn't say Winnipeg was a toilet bowl, so you can shout out to him. He was kind enough to shout out to you. Check, check out... You got to check with me on these shout outs. You, you shout out to Vance Nevada and I almost ripped my headset off. I I know. I really, I really wanted you to get animated about it, but you handled it very well. So I love Vance. He's my cousin. I know. And, and I know that you and Rob are buds too. Yeah. I love Rob. Legitimately. Yeah. He's a friend. Yeah. He's a friend of mine too. And he's the guy who trains. He's got a vlog on YouTube. YouTube, And it's very entertaining. Rob Stardom. I watched it um, for the first time. I just became aware of it. He's only three episodes in, so it's not like I've been sleeping on it. Oh, he's got more episodes than that. You're sleeping. He? Okay, yeah. then I'm sleeping on it. Anyways, it Didn't was he b- train you? He did. Okay, good. He did. He's, he's, Enough about that. He's very good. Uh, the The vlog is very good. I thought thought it was super entertaining. He was like, oh, it's a bit rough. Like, he's underselling. Just like, like I'm saying, we're a little bit rough no, here, too. No, it's great, though. Like, it's great. So check it out. It's on YouTube uh, right now. Go check it out. Rob Stardom Vlog. That's what it's called. You can find it very, very simply. Click subscribe and like. And Mike Davidson. Let's do the story. Uh, I'm going to tell you a rib that I saw. So Greg Roman was a new up-and-coming talent, freshly trained. He'd been around for under two years, and he was very over as a baby face. And Donnie DiCaprio in the locker room had been around and kind of been around four or five years. And, you know, he is the most funniest ribber we had. And he would always do little things to Greg. And it was never anything over the top. It was just little subtle ribs. Apparently, Donnie DiCaprio had been doing something to Greg Roman every show for like a month and a half. I get into the locker room and I'm watching and I never really paid this close of attention because with DiCaprio, you'd never catch him do it. He was that discreet. Like he must have done it when nobody was around. He was like a ghost. So Greg Roman comes in, he takes his gear out of his bag and all of a sudden he takes shaving cream out and he shakes and you know, it makes that click, 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 click noise. And then he sprayed it into his own wrestling boot. So I'm watching this and I'm like, what in sweet hell are you doing? And he said, well, if I don't do it, Donnie DiCaprio's going to do it in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. Like he's, he, that's he, an amazing trying rib. to take away the, the rib from Donnie DiCaprio. So he ribbed himself. I love it. It was great. I've seen, I'm going to tell a couple others. Um, you asked about Rokeby rib. Yes. And it's such an obscure, although Dave Meltzer gave it a full page of coverage. 
I'm not going to tell that story. No, yet. that's a long one. We're going to do it. We're going to do it justice. Well, the thing is, is that there is lasting effects from that. Oh, for sure. I got punched out. I didn't even do the prank. I want people when I finally tell it to be like, I need to know the rope could be rib. Because I didn't do it. I got blamed for it. I got punched for it. The guy who was my friend hasn't talked to me since 2008. I'm blocked on all his social media. You want to get to me, block me on social media. Yeah. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Don't block me. I don't hate anybody enough to block them. I don't dislike anybody enough from wrestling. Wrestling to me has always been fun. It's been a source of passion. I've, and when I rib somebody, I'm not doing it because I hate them. I want people to know that. There's people who wanted to send Omar Nicholas a sympathy card after last week. Okay? You listen here. Anyway, Omar Nicholas deserved everything I did to him, and everything I did to him was relatively harmless. Right? Would you say that? Absolutely. Okay. I have done other things that were terrible. I've done other things that I've wanted to do other things that would have been way over the line of professionalism. I do have a filter. There is a line I won't cross. I want people to know that. One of the douchier things I ever did, and I actually want to make a public apology about it, is something I did to a guy who's actually my friend, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. His name is The Big O, and he's called The Big O because he's 121 pounds, and it's the opposite of what he actually is. It's like when you call a tall guy tiny. Big O was a great guy, good help, and I'd worked with him for a long time. And in 2005, we announced that we were going to be on pay-per-view with AWE, Action Wrestling Entertainment. And the Big O called me, and he wanted to talk about being on a show. And so, because we announced a date in October, and this was like September, and he called me, and he's like, uh, hey, Mike, can I can I talk to you about getting on the show? And I said, well, I need to talk to you in person because we sign everybody to contracts. And I, if I'm going to even talk to you about having a show, we got to talk about a contract to appear because i got to get a release signed so you can be on video for me. So he's like, okay, yeah, where are you? And I said, well, I, I'm just, we just watched the uh, AWE pay-per-view at, at uh, this diner, and I, I'm here. And he's like, okay, I can come there if you want. I want to get this done right now. So I said, okay, Big O, uh, actually, I'm going to be, I'm, okay, come, come down right away, and, and we'll sign this, this piece of paper. So he calls me about 20 minutes later, and he's like, okay, I'm here. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I had to leave, and I should have called you. I'm actually now at this other place. Come here now and, and we'll get it done. And he's like, oh, are you serious? And I said, yeah, yeah, come come here now. And I wasn't even there. That's how much of a douche I was. So he drives probably another 15 or 20 minutes, gets there, he calls me. He's like, okay, I'm here. And I said, oh, you're killing me. I had to leave. I'm not here right now. Can you come here where I am now? And because he'd been around me enough, he knew I was. He caught on. Yeah. So I was going to run him all over town. I did not need him to sign a contract. I could have put him on the show based on one phone call. Like, that's how much of a douche I could be when I'm trying to be funny. And, and he remained friends with you? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we, cool. I, we have a ton of respect for each other. I am publicly apologizing to the big O. If there's one guy that I owe a beer to this week, it's the big O. And I'm going to post a picture of the big O on social media so that you can see the big O. And that brings us to a conclusion this week. I've told all the B's, she's stories I've got for this week because I don't use a format. So I don't have a sheet like Chris over here. What I want to tell everybody before we're done is please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Total She's. You'll find for us. For all of them. Because there's only one Total She's in the world. And make a comment. And if you have any questions about anyone I talk about, 
we will always put a picture of them up on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook so you can see the picture, put a face to who we're talking about and what makes them interesting or special. And, Chris? And we want to we want to talk about the next week, next show. We're, we're, we are going to look at Heels once again, the next episode of Heels, and we'll see where that, that story takes us. Of course, there's going to be Blowback again from this. There episode. is not going to be blowback. Be blowback. Okay, if you don't tell lies, if you if Mike Davidson's involved, we're getting emails. Yeah, of course we're going to get emails, and they always say nice things. They say you guys are very funny, and we're going to read some of the nice nicer ones. Oh yeah, we're on, not reading the, any of the bad ones because you're apparently you're the only one who gets the bad ones, and, then, and they're all about you. They're all about you. Yeah, because nobody wants to tell me when they have something bad to say. They always want to say it behind my back. Fair enough. Mike Davidson, it has been a pleasure Okay, so remember, again. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, follow us. Send us emails at totalbeesheez at gmail. If you've got a funny story about something that happened in your territory, or if you want to take me to task and you think I'm wrong, you can send me an email. I do read it. I will respond. Tell me about your business plan. Tell me how the business is in your territory. I want to talk about it. I don't... I, this isn't about any one territory. It's about independent wrestling as a whole and what makes it work, what doesn't make it work. Tell take, me funny ribs. Take Mike Davidson to task. And that is the total bees cheese. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the Iceman. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Eric, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. 
R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs>